Smartcast. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. With the Baker's Plus card, it's easy to get lower than low prices. For the win! Earn fuel points on every purchase and save up to a dollar a gallon at the pump. The Baker's Plus card. All you do is win. Big, big savings. Sign up now at bakersplus.com and start saving. Baker's. Fresh for everyone. Savings may vary by state. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your favorites with the buy five or more, save a dollar each sale. Simply buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with your card. Bakers. Fresh for everyone. Hello, and welcome to the Social Psychic Radio Show, featuring Jason Zook. In uncertain times, we must change our focus and priorities. This show will highlight social justice issues with the goal of expanding minds and increasing unity, love, and mutual respect for ourselves and our planet. We support the Black Lives Matter movement. Our show aspires to promote social spirituality, which simply means that by coming together, we can solve any of our problems, including the goal of bringing an end to all forms of hate, discrimination, bias, or oppression. We must protect our environment, reform our criminal justice system, and protect every citizen from police brutality. When we come together, it becomes possible to bridge the gaps that plague our society and divide us from within. We the people means everyone. Hello and welcome to the Social Psychic Radio Show. This is Jason Zook. We're doing something different today for our episode and I, I felt like it was important to share with our audience. Originally, as an intuitive psychic medium, I've been on my own journey for quite some time. And people always ask me, when I first became an open psychic to myself in January 2017, that wasn't the start of my spiritual journey. My journey started on August 12, 2004, when my grandfather passed away, and I became sensitive and uh, realized I had mediumship abilities. But for many years, I was reluctant to pursue that or be open about it due to my law practice and just the place where I was in, in life at the time. So for a while, I was in my spiritual closet. In January of 2017, I started offering readings to the public under the pseudonym Jason Zook, the social psychic. And when someone asks me at any time, what is it like to give readings to people as a medium? And if you were to look back on your experiences since 2017, what type of memorable experiences have you had as a psychic? I would say that my guest today is part of that journey. My guest today, her name's Sandra Andrade. We met through Groupon. I offered Groupons for readings, for half hour, an hour readings for discounts at the time, just to get my experience out there. And I felt like I needed like an internship for myself, so to speak. And so what I used to do is I'd have clients come and meet me in person after hours. Cause I've always had this, back then I, I would say that I wear my lawyer hat 
from business hours, eight to five or whatnot. And then after hours, I'll pursue my psychic practice. And I did that for three years with this Groupon stuff. And it was a great experience for me. It really introduced me to a lot of amazing people. And Sandra is one of those people. We're going to have Sandra talk about our experience with one another today because of the fact that right now, May is Mental Health Awareness Month. And part of mental health awareness is overcoming grief, overcoming life challenges and obstacles. And I'm very excited to have Sandra share her personal journey today with us. Just a little background on Sandra. She hails from Queens, New York, um, originally from New Jersey myself. She's lived in the Tampa Bay area for the last 10 years. And she currently works in a general contracting firm and she basically manages an all-female contracting crew. And I find that fascinating. And I really think you're going to find this interview today pretty memorable. Sandra lost her twins in birth, stillborn twins. And that's a very difficult subject, a a topic to bring up, but it's necessary because there's probably a lot of you out there that have dealt with something similar or something related to it. And I think it's important to say, don't suffer in silence. Don't give up hope that there's always a rebirth from any situation and to always look within when you feel like you're lost of and devoid of every opportunity. Cause when you look within, you'll find that death is a graduation. <laughs> Life is a school and we stay connected to our loved ones, no matter how long they've been on this planet with us. And so with that in context, I'd like to introduce Sandra to the show. Sandra, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Excited to have you on here. And I I wanted to just set the background a little bit in the intro, but I want to make this a conversation because your experience, you own it. And I respect you so deeply for having the courage to share your vulnerabilities and your experience with our audience today. And my first question to you, how are you doing at this moment in time? I am doing really good. I am doing really <laughs> good. I'm happy and hopeful. Excellent. Excellent. I want to congratulate you. Recently, I understand you, you were married to your yeah. husband. Yes. And I saw the pictures on social media. And just for our audience to understand, you started off as a client to mine, to me, I should yes. say. Yes. And over time, our connection developed just because of that first experience was so amazing that we've have maintained contact ever since. And you're like an old friend now. I pick up the phone yes. and I talk to you. Yes. And I feel like it's, we pick up where we le- left off Yep. and time can pass it. It doesn't matter. And yep. one, just a little background. I, I had a recording that I have from our original reading that I was able to share with you recently. Yeah. And I reflected on that the other day when we agreed that we would have you come on and talk about this experience. And I wanted to ask you, when I listened to part of the reading, it really moved me hearing me and you interact hearing us talk. The one thing I'll say, what I remember from the experience was it was in April of 2007, April of 2018. I was done with my law practice for the day and I met you after hours and you and Ed, your husband sat in front of me in a conference room I had. And if I recall correctly, and this is just my impression, you could correct me, but I remember you had like your arms crossed, your legs crossed, and you looked at me and you said, read me. Skeptical, skeptical, <laughs> and ready to basically pull the mask off. <laughs> and I remember feeling that and saying, okay, we'll go with this. And I just started <laughs> to read you. And I heard that in the recording too. And oh. I wanted to ask you, tell our audience about your personal experience before you walked into the reading room that day. If you can share your personal yeah. 
journey. No, for sure, for sure. I gave birth to my first daughter at 37 years old, a couple of weeks shy of my 38th birthday. So I'm a late bloomer. I started late. I had my first daughter at 38. Me and my husband tried to have a second child so that wouldn't we wouldn't leave her as an only sibling. Almost we started planning. And of course, 38, 39, 40 years old, it gets harder and harder as you get older. And it just wasn't happening. So I'm a very put forward the universe kind of person. And I told my husband, if I'm not pregnant by the time I'm 40, I'm just going to throw in the towel. She'll be an only child. We'll it'll just adjust our mentality a little bit and, and we'll see what we do. My 40th birthday came and went, no baby. And honestly, I just, we forgot about it. All the apps were deleted. All the medicine was thrown away. All the effort was literally just thrown in a garbage bag and we forgot about it. And I've never had a regular menstrual period, which was another reason why it was always difficult for me to get pregnant. And I just thought I was uh, pre-menopausing. I was, you know, soon to be 41 years old. And I, I call my OBGYN and I make an appointment. And I say, I think I'm premenopausal. I would like, and they told me I was pregnant for the second time, a couple of weeks shy of my 41st birthday. And I had a son, Simon, Sophia, respectively, is the oldest. And then you, now I got the boy, I got the girl, everything's great. We bought a house and we had hurricane, I think Maria, which was that hurricane that hit, we, that came out of nowhere. And I kind of got lost in time. And again, no period for a couple of months. I again thought, oh, it must be premenstrual, finally. And I make the call again because of the hurricane. My doctor was not working. And they were like, is it an emergency? No. Then you got to wait six or seven weeks. And they and I took it. By the time I went there, I found out again, I was surprisingly pregnant again. And unbeknownst to us of identical twins. So we went from wanting not one, but two, and then, oh, okay, there's a third to no, there's going to be four. From the moment they told me that we were going to have twins, I was very realistically, honestly, conflicted. I was like, are we ready for this financially, emotionally, spiritually? The house is already uh, like a nut house. Imagine with two more under five and my husband could just come saying to me, It'll all work itself out. It'll where it'll all work itself out. Stop worrying about it. This is a blessing. This is a blessing. But that doubt and that that fear was always in the back of my mind. Is is there going to be a quality issue? I just kept thinking about it. And then the doctors just kept saying, your age, high risk, mono twins, identical. We got to monitor this. I had two doctors. I would see the doctors on Tuesdays and Thursdays, uh, a high risk fetal doctor and my regular OBGYN. So when I tell you we were clocking this thing almost at a 72 hour interval the whole time. And a few weeks before they passed, I had just made peace with, oh shit, this is really happening. This is really happening. And I'm a very, I'm a planning person. So I was like collecting coupons and getting carriages and strollers and car seats and just planning for their arrival already. Because I said, if I do it the right way, I could save money and just taking for granted all the things that have to go for for this to really happen. And I, I finally get comfortable with it. They're kicking, they're moving around. We're progressing nicely. It's my 28th week or 29th week. And we're going to deliver at 32, 34 weeks. And we're almost at home stretch. I had been getting compliments the whole time that everything was going great, that whatever I was doing, keep it up. Were that doctor's exact words. I saw the doctor on Thursday. When I went back on Tuesday, 
I go get a, a, a sonogram where they check for both of them. And the face of the technician that did the ultrasound, she just kept, you could just see that she couldn't believe it herself. And now when I know I'm a little bit of an empath too, and I could just see this conflict playing face and she just kept trying. And then I was like, what, what's wrong? And she said, I'll be right back. And she left and she brought back the doctor and the doctor attempted. And then you hear the words that no parent wants to hear, which is they're gone, were the exact words they said. And I said, I was like, what do you mean they're gone? They were kicking all weekend. I have felt them. I, I know. I, I still feel them. They're like, no, they're gone. There's no heartbeat. They're gone. From the moment she said that, it it was just like, you're in one of those cyclone tubes. And I was just like, what is she trying to say? And all of a sudden, I just stopped. What do you pretend do you want me to do now? And she said, you got to go to the hospital and you got to deliver because you're too far gone. We have to do a full delivery. And I told her to my face, if you make me do that, you're going to kill me. You are going to be responsible for the death of this person that you see before you. I will pay you extra. I will allow you to charge my insurance company double. If you cut me open, take these children out, dispose of them, and I never want to hear about it again. And she said, no, you have to go through the motions. And she said, you don't understand right now because you're emotionally devastated. But if I am a, a cesarean section is for the benefit of saving somebody, it's a, it's an, it's a, it's an intervention, a medical intervention. Right now we have to do what's best for you medically F- to cut you open and, and give you a surgery that is unnecessary would be malpractice on our part. You're going to deliver these children just like everybody else does, except that yours are going to be basically born dead. When she said that shit, I looked at her and I said to myself, she almost, I felt like she read my mind. I was like, I'm going to make a run for it. I'm not going to go. I'm not going to go. And they called my husband and he magically appeared and he, he, I could tell that they already had grabbed them and told him when, by the time he comes in, I was in full hyperventilation mode, like planning an escape and keeping these dead babies. And the doctor said, you will get sick and you will die. You will get sepsis, you will get it sick, and you will die. We have to take him out. We have a small window of opportunity. We got to go to the hospital. When I tell you that I felt like an inmate walking death row, that ride to the hospital was like, you're basically going to the electric chair. I was like, I'm going to die. I I just kept telling him, I can't do it. He talked me out of the car, into the lobby. I had a full-blown panic attack into the lobby. The doctors had to come out of labor and delivery with, with a wheelchair to physically roll me in. Then I fought and cursed out the whole labor and delivery staff, the social worker that they had on site, the Catholic priest that they called in for for last rites. I was on a war path. I was angry. I was upset. I was devastated. And most importantly, I was like, how can I turn this around? I'm going to turn this around because that's who I am. And there was no turning around. It, and we did it. I had to go through it. I delivered. I, it was any possible scary movie, thriller, uh, gross movie, zombie movie rolled up together is what you have to experience. So I give birth to these children. Guilt. When I tell you that I was, God punished me because I didn't want them. God punished me because I was thinking about the money. God punished me because I was thinking about the quality. This is what happens when you doubt God. I put myself through the ringer. The priest would try to talk to me and I would be like, I need you to get out of my face. Because you know how people are when you experience oh, yeah. that. 
they always give you the proverbial, God has a plan and you don't understand right now when you're just like, get out of my face. Just stop talking and I just get out of my face while I process that. I have one job to do and I failed. So everybody just back the hell up and just let me process this. And they're sticking autopsy papers in your face and initial here and initial there. And you're just like, I was so hysterical and so upset. They gave me a shot. They knocked me out with Valium. And by the time I woke up, they had the children in baptismal gowns and the photographer had taken pictures. And my husband and a friend of mine that was present was like, you got to hold them. And I said, no. I said, I'm not going to do it. You have to do it. You're going to regret it. And I was like, no, I'm not going to do it. And they were like, you have to hold them. The, The trauma, the PTSD of feeling the weight in those arms. And then at some point having to let go. There's actually a physical trauma that happens. So when people are like, I lost a child when they were 50 in a car accident, or my 18-year-old committed suicide, or my 18-year-old overdosed, or my mother died, or some people grieve about their dogs and things like that. Do not belittle my grief experience because of their age or because of brevity, because no mother forgets the weight of those children in their arms. It's just something that I want to be a hundred. It will always physically scar me. Mentally and emotionally, I'm doing much better. I left the hospital. I had to stay for three days with everybody in my face, treating me like I had a baby with no baby. $10,000 worth of labor and delivery expenses that I had to pay on top of urns, ashes, cremation, medical death certificates. When I tell you that, and leaking milk from my tits. Because how, how, now who's going to tell the body what happened? So it was a manifestation of this tragedy on multiple levels, financial, mentally, emotionally, physically, the two siblings at home. What are you going to tell them? It was just, I died. Yeah, just the rug got pulled out from under me. And everybody's really nice the first couple of days, the first couple of weeks. You get the potlucks, you get the cards, you get the condolence texts. And then a a couple of weeks later, people forget about you. And you're left with the weight of the world and this just guilt and just a groundhog day of this moment in time. And nobody tells you how you're going to process this or how you're going to, people just forget about you and walk away. And then you have to decide real quick. Am I going to, is this salvageable? And then you have to make it, thank God I had two other babies and I utilized them as the, the first step to want to get better and to, and to survive. I've heard your story before, but hearing it now in this context of our conversation for the show, it, I'm sure I'm getting choked up a little bit and just my own emotions are affected by what you're saying. Cause I can envision the horror of what you went through, but I know The secret is your kids are with you. (laughs) You didn't know that right then at that moment. Oh, no. It took you a while to figure that journey out for yourself. And I don't want you to relive anything too painful beyond where we already gone with this, because that's not the purpose of our conversation. No, 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 I'm good. I'm good. Okay. Because I'm (laughs) encouraged. It's so massive for your vulnerability. So let me tell you that 
within a week or two, my insurance company, people talk shit about insurance companies all the time. They're the worst. They're antichrist, these people. But let me tell you something. I was very impressed. My insurance company, they called like a week or two when I was home and they were like, how are you? What do you need? How can we help you? And I basically, number one, I was surprised by the call. Number two, I was like, okay, I'm barely holding it together. And they said, we're going to get you into CS psychologist. We're going to get you into see a, a psychiatrist and we're going to get you into grief groups. And they sent me emails with St. Joseph's a grief group here and a grief group there and a grief group there. And so basically I said to myself, listen, if God put these completely useless insurance people in my path to call me and give me these resources. And I've paid restitution into that insurance my whole life and never really benefited from it in this way. I'm going to do so now. So I started going to the grief groups and doing everything. And I'm in this grief group with mothers, which is it's the worst club that you could possibly be a member of. Probably next to sexual abuse. It is uh, you become a member of this club of the most hopeless group of people that want to die and choose to live every day. So imagine it's almost like a suicide prevention. It's like just this hodgepodge of misery that you walk into there. Yet we continue to go back because the only people that understand where you are is them. So it becomes a sisterhood. And one of the ladies, one day I was talking about just the, the not knowing the questions, the all the questions and the doubts and the guilts that kept me up at night and gave me nightmares. She said, you should go see a psychic meeting. And I got so pissed because I said, my, my children are not like your children. I don't have memories. I don't have pictures. I don't have nothing really to take. Or what is he going to, what are they going to possibly validate to me? I have no history. I have no memory with them. There is nothing to validate. And I said that. And the lady just looked at me. She goes, you know what? You don't really have that difficult questions. Your questions are not that specific. They're like general questions. You might be surprised. You, you should give it a go. And I mulled over what that lady said. I want to say maybe about three months before I pulled the trick. And I love Groupon. I'm a Groupon host. So I wasn't in there looking for you. I was looking for, I was looking for Botox or something. And, and, and I stumbled upon your Groupon ad. And I said, it's not a lot of money. If they take me for a ride, it's not a lot of money. I don't have to kill nobody. You know what? And just to be on the safe side, I'll take Edward, who he has like a million gazillion dead people on his side. I had nobody. This was my first, imagine my first brush with death, your own children. When I tell you I was barely holding it together, I was barely holding it together. But I was like, I'm going to take Ed that way. That money's not a complete loss. If it's real, somebody will come through on his side. And if my boys, what I feel is true, that they, that I have nothing with them to validate, Edward will connect with his family. And then we reached out to you. Holy shit. Let me just tell you something. From the moment you started talking, I was like, oh, he's going to make me eat my words. I, I hate to be that person to be proven wrong. I'm probably the worst person that you want to prove wrong. But I'm nervous. Moment, yeah. <laughs> you made me nervous. <laughs> I don't get nervous too much because I'm a lawyer. And I just wanted to, I didn't know what I was walking into. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. not like you told me anything. And I sat across from you guys. I had my notepad. And I just remember as we were talking that the, the energy changed as we went forward. But I was nervous at first because I, I wanted yeah. you to feel comfortable working with me. And I was oh, kind of getting I into this stuff. Thousands of dollars in therapy. 
<laughs> thousands of dollars of medication. I, I got my medical marijuana card. I was drinking. I was smoking. I was, you know, on Zoloft, Xanax, you know, Prozac. They were throwing everything they could at me to get me to navigate through this grief. And one goddamn Groupon. I remember I paid for 30 or 45 minutes and you that went was an on hour for $60. You would not show <laughs> the more you talk, the more I felt like a, a pressure valve was being released. And I felt like my lungs were capturing air for the first time in almost six months. And when we left that, that your office in Davis Island, we went to go eat at that Italian restaurant next door. We went straight over to dinner. I do. <laughs> I was swollen. I was puffy. I was nauseous. I had all kinds of shit going on. I was. I remember telling him, "Just get a whole bottle. Don't even ask for a cup. Just get the bottle." <laughs> and, and and he was like, "He wanted to the debrief. We're doing the debrief." And I said to myself, "Today's the last day. Today's the last day I carried that brick wall on my back." I said, "Jason just gave me." all the validation, confirmation, tools, resources, hope, all the right. It's almost like a decipher uh, ring, you know, the decoder ring. You that you got to do all the little things and put all the little, and then all of a sudden it pops up. That's what you were like to me. You were that decoder ring to, to allow me to see the, the light at the end of the tunnel. Because I walked in there black. I was black. I was like, like in the cartoons with the cloud of rain walking around you. That's, <laughs> that's where I was at. If it wasn't for my children, I would have had no will to live. And that day, like I said, you gave me everything that I needed to turn it around. And I have. Wow. I'll bring this up. When I remember the reading, the first half hour was me. I felt like I was struggling to pick up on your energy. I know we picked up stuff going through it. I think it was like about halfway through. I remember the breakthrough for us was when I said, I kept talking about two people dying, two people yeah. dying. And I didn't, but I felt like you maybe had adult children because the energy that came through. Yes. And just to explain to the audience, like anyone who's not a medium or doesn't have these experiences, the other side to me, they'll talk at least how I pick up on stuff. It's like charades and they'll give me images. They'll give me words. They'll give me phrases. And in this particular case, I kept getting that you had a tragedy of two, but I thought it was two living long-term, like 18-year-old type thing at first. But then I remember the breakthrough was about halfway through the reading, about halfway down that, like 30 minutes into it, I said something along the lines of, you can live, your heart could beat for a second and you still have a soul. And I think I said that to you and that's when you, yeah, yeah. And I want to ask you about that. What was that like for you when you heard that? Because I never, I don't think we ever talked about that with each other. Well, just so that is aware, I was skeptical of Jason. <laughs> I wasn't skeptical of the psychic mediumness in general. I am a believer. I believe that people have the talent. I believe that people have the gift. I am an, a very strong empath, very intuitive, almost to the point where I've always felt like I'm cheating because I always have this voice that's constantly. So between their death and the reading, there had been things that had been happening that I was passing off on, like I'm losing my mind. I'm now officially going crazy. I thought I left it there and it's not there. Or I thought I heard that and it wasn't that. And then, then there were, that was some physical thing, but the bad things, I couldn't stand listening to music. I lost the, the joy of putting on the radio. It bothered me listening to music. I, I, I was very scared that my husband and my children would get into an accident. I would have another loss and that I wouldn't be able to survive it. And within the first 
maybe hour of the reading, you hit the nail on the head on all of that. You you said there's a point in the reading when you said the yogis do the yoga and the cyclists get on their bikes and they ride. And everybody has their hobby and their thing that's theirs. They're telling me that your thing is dancing <laughs> and that you don't do it anymore. And it's bringing them down. And I, at that moment, I was like, I hate music. I refuse. I'm never going to dance again. And you were, and you, and you, in the first 30 minutes of the reading, you're like, I usually don't talk like this. I'm usually very self-spoken, but they're telling me to t- basically match your tone because that's the only way you understand. And that's how I heard them. That's how I heard them in my eyes, mind too. I kept hearing them saying, but we are here. But I was like, I, kept, I just kept thinking I was tripping. But I'm like so devastated. I'm willing myself to hear this. And then you said, but they are with you. They see you painting. Yeah, they, I remember that. <laughs> they like they like the, the real estate, the, their new real estate things. You move them. They uh, And it's shit that me and my husband are looking at each other because just them validating they're here you validate and then you kept saying this is not the mama we know this is not this they and you said they're like you they're these big boisterous voices they're very animated and they're saying that you're bringing them down you're not letting them go through their process because they're so busy worried about you and your process and in my mind's eye i felt that when you're in the grief, you don't think about them. You think about, you're the lousy, miserable crap that's left behind. And you kept telling me that in the reading. You keep you keep feeling like you left behind. And and that was, if you hear the, the words, they died. It's not that it was intentional. You're left behind. It's something you do intentional. I felt like the world, it was intentional. And he, they kept, he kept saying, you didn't get left behind. You didn't get left behind. But I felt like I did get left behind. And once you put all those pieces together, I said to myself, and you said, talk to them. Conversate with them. If you keep the lines of communication open, you won't, won't need me. He said, you will never need me again. You'll be able to do this yourself. Yeah, and I, love that, people that. <laughs> I, I don't think you understand how important those words were to me. We almost took it like a, a, a doctor's prescription. You know, two times in the morning, two times at night, they tell you and you mess that order up and you don't get better. It's your fault. And you know that. So when you gave me all those pieces, I said to myself. And I took it at heart value and I. Restructured my relationship with them. Where I no longer was going to cry about their loss, but I was going to share with them what I'm actually in the middle of and what I'm doing and treat them like they're like, so they're all over my house. I have, uh, if I get something made with the two children's name, it's never just the two children. It's the four children's name. I love that. For Christmas, I donate gifts in their names. On their birthdays, I donate presents in their names. On their birthdays, I go to Publix and I pay anonymous cakes for them. Whoever has a birthday that day at my Publix is getting a free cake. I, When I tell you that I include them and have merged them into every fiber of uh, the, the wedding a couple of months ago, they had a chair with their name on it. It too in the front. They were part of the vows. So I changed my relationship with the loss of my children from let's not talk about it. Let's not go to that uncomfortable. And you also taught me something very important, which is that you can revisit the grief, but don't stay there. 
I understand that completely. I, that was before I even had my cancer. So I didn't even have the insight of my own personal challenges on that level. I remember when we had our first session, because it wasn't our only session, <laughs> you become my biggest supporter <laughs> and advocate. And I was like, wow. <laughs> but I remember when we left that session, I went home that night and I, you sent me a text message that was so memorable the next day. And I remember like reflecting on our experience and it reinforced that this is what I want to do because I love having meaning and purpose. And you give me meaning and purpose, hearing your adversity and your struggles, it, even be able to talk about it today with such courage, being vulnerable is not an easy thing. And you've gone through so many things. But what so, I, I, I want to share with you, for you to share with your marketing team, your sponsors, it, 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 the people that are still skeptical, the people that still doubt, it doesn't end with a reading and, and with an occasional text message here and there. Because a, a couple of days after that first text message, you text messaged me randomly out of the blue and said, dance, no one's watching. <laughs> Reiterating again. I don't remember that. that I, when I pick up stuff, I don't always remember. <laughs> and, and I, it, when you, when that message came in, he, I said to myself, "I got to turn the music back on," and I did. And thank God because it, it, music is my thing. Happiness is my thing. So that, and then uh, maybe like a year and a half later, Jason Zook calls me a random on a Friday night. I'm like, again, we love to talk. We always pick up where we left off. So I pick up the phone and he tells me. So this is for all the the people that still don't believe or think that there are people that are better than you or are going to compare you to the other people that do this. He calls me out of the blue. He says, I got to tell you something. Your sons are driving me nuts and they are wanting you to know that your daughter is stashing food and candy in her room in the bookcase. And I got so nervous when you said that, when that because I said to myself, in order for spirit to drive him to the point where he's going to call me and just volunteer name drop. Then it was after one of those storms up in in the Pensacola area. So you had been away and traveling. So you called me to tell me that. that. And we started talking about work. We started talking about work and things like that. And so from your initial phone call, we must've gotten off about an hour later. I walk into my husband's office and I slap him on the arm. I'm like, and I was like, Jason just called me on the phone right now to tell me that Samuel and Solomon are like driving him nuts and want us to go. We busted into this girl's room like wardens. When I tell you we did a cell check, we flipped the matches. Jason, we must have pulled out at least half a garbage bag of Oreos, goldfish, cheeses, <laughs> wrappers, lollipop sticks. I don't know how that girl wasn't eaten alive by ants. But when, and you said the bookcase, and you said in between the books, like it's not obvious. Go in there. <laughs> So we did. And she must have been like seven years old, playing dumb. I don't know how that got there. I don't know how that got there. And, and I'm looking at her. I'm like, you're in so much trouble. I just want you to know that we have ears and eyes everywhere. And then at night when me and my husband are back in bed, I said, this is not going to go well for her. And, and then I realized that they are here. You know, you always validate it every time, even if it's the last thing people usually right before they walk away, they say, "Okay, see you soon. Or it was always a pleasure. Or I love you. Every time you and I part or or break uh, in speech, you always say they're here. 
<laughs> they're with you right now because as you were talking you're telling me to share with you they're proud of you because they see everything you're doing and they know what you have coming up and they're just so proud of you they're like we're proud of our mama <laughs> yes uh, oh, I, I, and and it has been you have been not only a friend not only have you become a friend but and listen we haven't become friendlier because of COVID yeah because yeah. we basically had to be in our own bubbles. So Isolated. I, yeah. So I, I, and I know you've been very, you had your illness and you more than everybody had to take care of yourself. So I never took it personal, but, but wow, man, you think of EMTs <laughs> and, and doctors and surgeons and people that physically save your life, but you are like the physical therapist. You're like the pharmacist. Oh, you're it. like the, the EMT and, and the triage doctor. You went in there and you did the, 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 the compressions, but on a spiritual level, which sometimes is the most neglected level. You know what though? I'm an instrument and you did all the work. I didn't do all those hours of work that you did personally. I didn't go through that experience and have to bring myself back from the brink. And you did that. And that's what I, I've been telling you from for a while where you're headed. I'm already telling you, you're going to be doing spiritual work yourself. You're going to be empowering women. You're going to be helping others who grieve and go through these life transitions. I won't call it other than that right now, but like just going through these harrowing moments. Yes, it's painful to talk about. And, and you oh. choked me up. And, and I know my audience is going to hear the beginning part of this episode and say, oh my God, I feel so bad for Sandra. And, oh, but you know what? I don't feel bad for you because I know what you found. You didn't, you lost one thing, but you found something so much more. And that to me is a blessing by itself. Priceless. Priceless. I, I, I always tell everybody I, I have three birthdays. The day I was born, then I switched homes in my infancy very early on. And then I died with the day, November 15th, 2017, when my sons died. But I came, you gave me life again. You gave me life. You rebirthed me again with that reading because I said, game on. It was a game changer. I said, we're going in a whole different direction with this. I got a new job. I not only do I have a new job, I have a team of 85 people underneath me, minority women, the majority of them single mothers. Uh, I when I tell you out of that horrible, painful tragedy that I had and I tell everybody and I'm doing this because I love you. I'm doing this because I want to support you. But most importantly, I love I'm you as well. And I want to support you <laughs> I, I'm this for that anonymous mother, that anonymous, no name mother that's uh, sitting in the bathroom, the tub right now in the shower, crying, screaming because they don't want anybody to hear them They're hiding their grief and you're sweeping it under the rug because other people feel uncomfortable. I'm talking, I'm, I'm doing this for that mother. And and my life, my love for my children when they died was almost like the milk in my breast. What do you do with a lifetime of love that you can't get out? You don't pump your breast milk. You start developing all these polyps and you could get infected and it could even turn into cancer. And it's so detrimental not to get it out. When we lose our loved ones, that love that was meant for that person, where does it go? A lot of people turn it into resentment and hate and and all this stuff i you know what i did i said okay i lost two children i'm gonna get 200 more and i went on the search i went on the search and i have naturally gravitated in the last five years so you don't know how many women i know that don't have mothers or bad mothers and they're like you talk to me like a mother and i think to myself in my mind another little mental check 
in on my road to my birth therapy where you know what every day that love that wasted love it evens out the needle is evening out where I'm sure by the time I'm old and I'm ready to go you've even told me that they want you to know you're not you're not going to miss them like <laughs> as soon as you get there you're going to you're going to know it's them they're going to be there. going to greet you so I'm not even scared of death. There are people that are petrified of death. Yeah. They don't live because they don't want to die. I am like superwoman. <laughs> I leave the house every day like shit. If a boulder falls on me today, I'm going to be with my children within an hour. So there is no negative anymore. There is no negative connotation. Do I have bad days? Mother's Day? Hate it. Wow. Their birthday? Miserable. So they, and what I don't, I, I tell my husband, you know what? I'm not adulting today. I'm going to stay in my bed and I'm going to wallow in self-pity and misery. And I take out the box from the hospital and their hospital bracelets and their fingerprints. And I cry like Mary Magdalene. The next day I get back up and I put on that construction hat and I put on my boots and I go terrorize everybody in the street and every project. <laughs> that I have, and they're like, she's back. So you know what? I, I went, I visited, I visited my grief. I, I, I released the pressure valve a little bit and then I suck it back up and I keep on going. I love your resiliency. And that's what I will do as a, yes, we all go through suffering and grief, but the resiliency of the human spirit is what really, we really need to talk that up more than anything else. And for any mother in the audience that's grieving a child, like you've gone through what you've gone through, I would say, if you can look at this example, you can find hope within the darkness and the terror, you can find the the pain, but you can work through that and work with, you know, those around you in your life, mental health professionals, whoever it takes, but you can develop a positive outcome, even from something as horrific as this. Build scholarships, build uh, foundations, do non-for-profit charity organizations, foster, adopt, get pets, adopt a senior (laughs) citizen. Many ways. Or you're going to stay home and you're going to wallow about the fact that God decided to take your child prematurely and you weren't ready. And you're in pain. Your child is home. You got left behind and you're angry. You can wallow in that until you die. Or you can stop being a witch about it. And and let me tell you, I'm going to, this is such a game changer, especially for the grieving mothers. For months, I went to these grief groups and it was all women and all women. And one day there was a young man there. Real thin young man, very young, and he was there for a couple of weeks and nobody really knew his story. And then one day he just felt comfortable and he got up and he said, my name is Yuji. And my brother committed suicide 12 years ago in front of his wife and his two little girls. So again, it's a grief. It's a mother's grief. group, And he's there basically to say that his brother committed suicide 10 years. He goes, I want to tell you guys that not only that day that he killed himself, I become an only child, but I also became an orphan. Because my parents got stuck in the grief of that day and never came back. They have ignored me. They have not been there for me. They missed my high school graduation. They have missed everything of mine. I go to their house. Their house is like a shrine for my brother. They have his clothes. They have his pictures. They're obsessed with his girls. But me, Eugene, I'm nothing. I lost my mother. I lost my father. And, and, And he turned at us and he goes, don't be like my parents. Think about the, the children. Yo, let me tell you something. I looked at Eugene and I said to myself, oh, shit. I felt like he was talking to me. 
I felt like he was talking to me. And I said to myself, I don't want, because up to that moment, I have been knocking this parent thing out the ballpark. I was like a little bit Beaver to Beaver, a little bit Cosby, a little bit. I was doing my own thing and, and sticking true to who I was. And I was knocking it out of the ballpark. Then all of a sudden I went from what I thought was a being a wonderful parent to failing and not even being able to keep my children alive. So now I feel like a piece of shit and I'm like, like I'm nothing. I'm just not going to do nothing. I'm just going to stay still and just die quickly so I can be with my sons. And when he told me that, when he heard that, I said to myself, I don't want my children to be in therapy as adults and be like, oh, our mom was great. And our mom and dad were fantastic until our brothers died. We had infant brothers that died at birth and she was never the same again. She became a whack job and we had to fake her actor. Oh, you, 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 it plays out on Dr. Phil every day. I, that shit played like an episode in my mind. I was like, because I was this close. I was this close to, to doing a UG. And when he told me that, I remember just maybe within a day or two like that, my daughter told me, you only wear black now. You didn't weren't like that. You always used to wear color. And I remember my grandmother, she's still alive. She's 94 years old. Every time her, her sibling or her parent or her spouse died, they would wear black and white for five years or two years or one year, depending on the connection of the tear. And I would always criticize and be like, that's so old school. That's so antiquated. Nobody needs to do that anymore. Not realizing that your mind's eye, you don't see color. It's like the first five minutes of The Wizard of Oz. Your My life went from technicolor to black and white from one day to the next. And when I sat with you, you gave me back two colors. You didn't give me all the colors. You gave me the basic two colors. And you said, go make a comeback. You could do it. And I started adding colors to, to the wheel. And you know what? I still don't have, I still have a lot of gray spots. You're still growing and, and developing, but I, I, it's I only five years. Early. It's only five years this year. So I'm still pretty new, but, but, but look at you what know. you've done though. Look at where you're at. Look at how you, I just, I am so impressed and I am so appreciative that we've developed our connection with each other and our relationship with each other. Because of you. And Every time we talk, anytime I see you post on that social media when you got married, I was like celebrating internally. Like it brought a smile to my face. I, I can't begin to tell you the enjoyment of our connection is so special because of that shared experiences of what you've been through. And, and then just, I feel like even with the negative experiences like that, it brings people together that you at least expect. I, I say that I'm an instrument. I don't say I have a gift or talent or whatever. I just say I have an, I'm an instrument of God and just you're an instrument and your husband's an instrument. And whoever else, your children, it, it's kind of like we all work with each other. And we, you taught me so much as well about my own purpose and meaning and why I do what I do and why I like what I do. I love it. You if you know? weren't real, if you weren't real and you were just a little real, if you weren't <laughs> as talented as you are, if you, because listen, again, I'm, a, I'm very empathic. Yeah, but I'm not offering readings or wanting to read. As a matter of fact, sometimes I do know stuff. I will mull it over and nine out of 10 times, I, it stays just with me. You, you know why? Because that's not my calling. That, that's not my calling is. My, I'm still part of a bunch of support groups of mothers. You're empowering. You're going to empower so many people in your future beyond what you even realize right now. It's and you're just at the start of your journey. I hope, look, I don't want, I, I always tell everybody, I'm never going to be rich. I'm never going to be rich because... I know that's not You're rich. You're rich in love. Exactly. You're rich the, in happiness abundance. Is, the happiness does not lie in the monetary connection. 
Happiness lies in paying and helping my workers and being a, a Mother's Day just passed on Sunday. I was in misery. Again, one of those trigger dates that I, you just wake up angry and you just want to bang your head against the wall. I must have gotten 100 text messages from every plumber, electrician, roofer, landscaper, uh, different states, everybody that I work with. And uh, I had 100 texts by the end of the day. And I said, to, I laughed and I go, the irony of this all is that I am the mom. And I can no longer grieve past today about me not being a mother to them because from their loss, I have gotten a hundred children. So even though they're not my children. Think of it this way, though. The kindness that you offer people, the loving care that you have to pay attention. Like you've heard me talk to you about things as friends. And I just feel like your authenticity is off the charts and you call me real, but you are as well. And I know that you haven't given readings yet, but I feel like your empathic abilities are going to guide you in such a way. You do this already. You're working with people in your own way, privately, like I did before I was openly reading people. And you do it in such a way that you don't seek glory or, or recognition. You just do it because it's instinctive. And if people could walk away healthier, even if it's a little bit healthier, I feel like it, it means more than all the money in the world and, to me. And the one thing I'll say to the audience, talking to you, I always laugh afterwards because you always entertain me with your stories. And then I'll share with you with what I'm doing. You're like, where are you going now? And I, this is before COVID, of course. Where are you going now? I'm like, oh, I'm going to East Coast of Florida. I'm doing a deposition. You're like, oh, and I got to talk to you as I drive over there. I'm yeah, stuck yeah. in traffic or something. We had, I just, I'm just telling you that out of this entire situation, I can tell you that I see us being friends the rest of our lives and I beyond. I feel like you're going to really do a lot coming up that it's going to be a, a, a very enjoyable experience for you because I, I promote you a lot and and i'm always you do. Trying. thank you so much for I, that. and the reason that i promote you is because the people that are okay with their grief journey which there are some people that are, are okay but there are some people that really struggle with it or some people that really sometimes are like i wish my mom was here or you know i wish my dad was here my mom would know what to do or something like that with those people, I've tried to promote you. And it's very unfortunate. A lot of people just don't believe that it's real. I and I look at them and I'm like, look at my face. Are you going to, you're going to call me a Trump. You're going to call me a Trump. And you know how I refer to you? I'm like, he's my brother. Yes. I, go, I have a friend that's like a brother to me. That is a psychic medium slash lawyer. And I call upon him for both uh, aspects <laughs> anytime I need to. So he's very convenient to have on the Rolodex. I go, but it, it, if I, and every single time that people try to give me the sole credit of my work, I said, it all goes back to Jason. It all goes back to Sandra Andrade. <laughs> honestly it's really you got to give yourself the credit of what you've overcome because i didn't hold you by the hand all those hours and all those days and all those moments i did the work I've done, and i got work. 25 extra pounds honey on top of me to prove that i did the work you know <laughs> and, and it hasn't been easy you know it hasn't been easy like i said there are some days that i check it out and throw in the towel and say i don't want to partake today I'm, i want to be a big baby about this and i'm that's okay though I, I do that too. I suffer from my own mental health issues and I'll have days where people book me up a couple of weeks ago. I had several people book me on a Sunday and I was like, I'll work today. And I woke up and I was so depressed just about my own stuff. And it happens like when you have a broken arm, you can see it. But when someone deals with anxiety, depression, or any mental health issue, you can't see it, but you got to be aware of it. And you're doing the right thing by doing that. You're exactly taking time exactly. to yourself. And I do the same thing. I shut down.
So when I, let me tell you, Jason, I was, I was paying for your services in the, as a gift certificate and giving it to people. I know you've got several of them, many, several of them. You you have to create these gift certificates because I was like, I need five of them because, (laughs) and I will tell the people, if you're not going to use it, give them back to me because I do know people that will use them. I felt honored. so yeah, but I, but I, but I give them only on very special occasions. And then I, I have two friends of mine right now, one that lost a mother, one that lost a father. And they struggle with it a lot, all the time. Strong, badass women, man. And their vulnerability is the sauce of this parent. And I could just tell, and I tell them all the time, Can he'll come to the house. I'll be there. I'll hold your hand. I'll go with you. It could be a Zoom. And they're just not ready, which is another thing that I want people to understand, like, I don't expect you to have a line around the block of people wanting to be read because some people just aren't ready. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I've had people try to book readings with me, like right after the the you know father or whoever died, and I just tell people I've dis- I discontinued readings at the beginning when I find out how recent it is. If I'm not, I, there's just a moment where you have to be at the right time frame for that kind of stuff. And you, you definitely, we had the synchronicities just line up, and I'm so grateful. I'm desperate. grateful. I'm grateful. You were, my la- you were my last, you were my last resort. I felt nothing was working and nothing was going to work. And I was not looking forward. And then you told me the same reading, which I was like, oh shit, I definitely got to turn this around. You were like, you're going to live to be a hundred. <laughs> you're a centurion. You're going to die like really old. Like you have longevity. <laughs> and then I told you, I come from a long, large family of centurions. I love and it. I, in my mind's eye, I also know that I'm going to live and outlive a lot of generations. So when you said that to me, I said, can you imagine doing the the next 55 years in misery and self-pity and and this grief, this this negative connotation with grief? I took the word, I I bought a website domain in hopes of starting a blog one day called ogoodgrief.org. I love it, I love it. Because you know what? Grief is really shitty if that's what you want it to be. But if you want to utilize it as fuel uh, for your motor, for the next chapter of your life and do something really good where that person's death, it was not in vain, I got news for you. It can too be channeled and it can be done. Let me ask you this. You've been on such a journey. And like I said, if we apply that, you're going to be a centurion. You have a long way to go. You're only not even halfway through your book. I don't know how I'm going to make it, honey, because I'm falling apart, but okay. You will. And and I want to ask you this because I know we're running low on time, but, and I'm so honored to have you on my show today. I just have to tell you that to begin with. And and I want to ask you for two things. One, if you were to talk to a a, a mom in the audience who's listening to this right now for the first time, hearing, hearing us conversate, converse about it, I should say, what would you say to that mom who's dealing with a, a recent loss of a child who has struggled themselves, like where you were in that dark moment? Dark, those dark moments, those dark days after your own experience, what would you say to them in order to give them some guidance based on your own experiences? So all those mothers have a, a daily question that they ask themselves, which is, when does this end? When does this pain end? And, every, and they, everybody asks each other the question and they put them on these forums and they're looking for the answer, not knowing that the answer is within you. The key to that question, the answer to that question is, how soon do you want it to be over? What motivates you on the other side of it being over? Uh, I heard a statistic one time at the hospital, one of those grief groups that said 85% of marriages of, chil- of people that have lost children end up in divorce. 
I looked over at Ed in the middle of the grief group and I said to him, I said, that is not going to be us. You can divorce, you can leave me because of infidelities. You can leave me because of substance abuse. You can leave me because you outgrew you, you outgrew me. You can leave me for one day you just woke up and you realize just that you want it off, whatever. But it will not be because of this loss. And wow. he looked and he said, that's a promise. And you know what? I would have never thought five years ago that we would have ended up getting married. And when he finally said, we're going to do it now, he said, we have been through it all. And we have fought back from the, of the barrel. What else do you need to prove to yourself? I love and that though. When he told me, he disarmed me a hundred percent where I was like, oh, you guys are soulmates. It's so clear. And he struggled as well. I know we don't want to discount that, but you both struggled together, but you've worked on it. And you've grown so much beyond it. And I'm so happy to see this firsthand. You're an example of the the, the true yeah. resiliency. You are like all these guests that come on my show who have books, who have followers, who have films and movies, and they've gone through these experiences. That's the kind of thing I see. Their resiliency speaks tantamount to what they do. And for you, I feel like you're on that path. You're going to have a book. You're going to have your blog. You're going to do all these various things that you're, you're passionate about. You're being called. It's like me being called to have a podcast five years ago. I never believed it. And in fact, the psychic told me in 2008 that they said I'd have my own radio show. And I laughed at them because back then I didn't have an awareness of what a podcast was. And I was only thinking from the mindset of being a lawyer. And I was like, I'm not going to do a podcast about being a lawyer. And I laughed at the guy. And then 10 years later, when I started my podcast, I called them and thanked them and said, you know what? You were right. And I was wrong. And thank you. And, but the point I'll share with you is I could see you doing your own podcast. I, I could see you. I just see the sky's the limit for what you can do. And, and your but, future but, but so I'm a little bit offset a little bit sometimes with certain aspects of the social media and, and all that stuff, because I also see a lot of grieving mothers be taken advantage by people that are not real and, and people that tell you what you want to hear. And you more or less, you get hustled. You get very easily. You're so naive and hurt and like an open sword that it's very easy for people to take advantage of you. I want to do it. And I believe if I have the opportunity to do it, I would do it almost as a social service of a void that needs to be filled. <laughs> Which is just that, you know what? You are going to make it. Yes. You are going to be okay. How okay and when you're going to make it, we can work on together. Everybody's clock is different. But if I can do it, and they say the bigger you are, the harder you fall. I'm not in any way, shape, or form tall as far as stature is concerned. But let me tell you something. I am a powerhouse. And when I tell you that they cut me down to nothing, I felt like that was nothing. Everything that I had accomplished in 43 years just completely wiped out. And I was like, I'm a piece of shit and I just can't do anything. And I'm just not going to participate. And then, like I said, through the grief groups, they planted the seed. I ended up with you. And then you basically, and I remember me telling you, So I said, I wish you would have known me before they died. I was fabulous. You are. And, 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 and I and do. I, and I, I know you now. In the last five years, and you are fabulous. And you're like, yes, you are. And, I, and you know what? I had to make a comeback. I had to make a decision. Am I really going to let this define me? Or am I going to leave a, a true legacy? And more important to them, to them until the day I die, 
I have my children that tell me when we have children, we're going to name them Samuel and Solomon, the names of their brother. That's how poignant their presence is. And I tell them all the time, listen, you don't have to. It will. It, that would be lovely when the time comes, you and your significant other. Can, but I feel like me and them and you, we're always going to live on if we carry the mantle of we're not going to let this go in me. I love that. I love Sandra. Do you realize you're inspirational yourself at this point, or have you not seen that? <laughs> I'm so tired the majority of the time, Jason. <laughs> I understand that, but I'm asking you directly. Like, I, I, I just, I respect you so deeply, and I admire you because I mean, of. I just, at this point, I think I, I spent the first 43 years living my life to get credit for accomplishments. Same here. And, I doubt that. And, I did that too. And the second life, a chapter of my life, I don't give a flying fuck about <laughs> titles, business cards, salaries, positions, corporate ladder, all that mental fuckery that we have to deal with. Even the, the, the TV, you turn on the news, the war in Ukraine, negative, the COVID, the pandemic, 1 million deaths. Holy shit. It, you go into sensory overload and in the negative. I understand. You know what? I'm going to tell you this. I think I told you this on the phone during the pandemic. I, when the pandemic happened, my mom stayed with me for two weeks and then she went back to her place. And then I remember in the heat of the pandemic during 2020, it was like the summer. I was just here and I looked at my toilet paper and I was like, I have four rolls of toilet paper left. <laughs> and I acted like someone had slain my parrots and I came home and saw them slain and I was freaking out. And then my two birds. And I looked at them and they looked scared. And I was like, what am I doing right now? Why am I freaking out over four rolls of toilet paper when I can just go to the store and pick up plenty more? Like it was my own anxiety coming into focus. And listen, and everybody's hoarding toilet paper. I was like, if they got to wipe their ass, I'll hold them down in the yard. I'm like, let's go get the gin and tonic before they run out. <laughs> and so I can tell you in hindsight, I have lived my best life during the pandemic because <laughs> I have utilized my me. I have utilized myself to make a lot of people happy i'm so and happy that, to hear that and that makes me happy and you see all the parties that i have you see yes. all the events that i have and it, let me tell you i till this day if i have not uh, had covid you, i test every monday and friday i keep my circle safe tight because i'm mom i have to make sure that i feed 85 mouths i gotta keep it going and that took that meant me taking up a big a bigger role during the pandemic than i, I would have normally have had to do but let me tell you something not in vain a lot of fun and i hope if people want to write in or if they want to call in or if they want to hear more or how the story how the story plays out People will attest to you about how, and I tell everybody when they walk in the door, this is a no judgment zone. You're going to check your prejudices, your politics, your opinions. You're going to check everything at the door. From the moment you walk in this door, it's all systems go. Anything goes. We're not going to be enforcing and judging each other and criticizing. So people come in here and they feel very comfortable. And more importantly, I always tell them, no matter what they do, they're like, you're going to think I'm a horrible person. I love you. <laughs> I love you. As bad as you think it is, trust me, it's not that bad. Just give it to me straight. Don't leave out any details. And I promise you, we'll, we'll figure it out on a personal level and professional level. Okay. And that's that's mom, right? That's what moms yes. do. So you're now a mom to many more than you ever imagined. And, I'm and you're going to be a mom to many more than you realize through your I'm future endeavors. I'm so fortunate. I'm so fortunate. And I, you know what? I tell my boys all the time when I talk to them, I go, you did this. 
And I give them their credit. And I'm like, you did this. Maybe, the, and, and let me tell you, if I could find that Catholic priest, if anybody knows that old Cuban Catholic priest at St. Joseph's that I cursed the hell out on November 15th, 2000. You're forgiven for that. <laughs> I, I, I think I even told him I wanted to like throat punch him at some point. But it, he kept saying, someday the plan will reveal itself to you someday it will all come full circle to you. And I'm like, shut up. You know, I didn't want to hear it. And I was going through the motions and, oh man, it, it has come full circle. It, it did come full circle. And I am so much a better person on this side of the tragedy than I was on that side of the tragedy. So I really can't say enough. I can't You're say an amazing person. or a bad thing. It's just a thing that had to happen and I had to work my way through it. I appreciate it. So if our audience wants to contact you, yes, what's the best way for them to reach you? Okay. They can email me at S as in Sam twice, S-Q-U-A-R-E-D 77 at yahoo.com. S squared for both my children, Sophia and Simon, S squared 77 at yahoo.com. If they can, if they would like to connect or chit chat or whatever, or just share their story. Cause I realized that these stories need to be shared without, I always hear complaints. Like my family doesn't want to hear it. They say enough time has passed by get over it. And that your children, this is not what they want. Sometimes you just want somebody to be mad with and to talk shit with and say, this is horrible. I'm that person. I can Love be it. that person. So yes, they can email me and I will get back to them in a timely manner. Great. Thank you so much, Sandra. You're up. Uh- Welcome. You are such an amazing person. I feel like you, having you on the show and, and reliving the last several years with each other and your experience, and it, it puts my Friday on a context right now of gratitude. And I just, I, I can't even, I'm speechless. You made me speechless. And for me to be speechless, it takes a lot. But I have to say, I've been wanting to have you on for a while and I knew it had to be at the right time for both of us. And I'm just so honored. And, and grateful for you in my life. And you, let me tell you, you, you have the talent, but sometimes the talent alone is not enough. Sometimes you really need what you need, like references. People want to know, is it real or is it not good or this? And I never have enough to say about you where I'm like, and you know what I like about it? You're not, you're not hokey. You're not shoving it down people's throats. You're not being weird about it. <laughs> which is another thing that I was looking for. Don't be weird about it. You're just very comfortable. And I want to share a story real quick with, sure. with everybody before we wrap up. Uh, a couple uh, of maybe about nine or 10 months after we met, he invited uh, me and my husband to his birthday party. And we went to his birthday party. And I was so nervous before the birthday party because I was like, half of them are going to be psychic mediums. And the other half are going to be lawyers. <laughs> I was like, this is like walking into a shark den. I was like, I don't know which way I'm going to go. And, and then the thing is that since I know that I have that energy, I'm like, uh, I, and I remember like prepping myself where I just wanted to be there for you to celebrate you, for it to be about your birthday. For I didn't want it. I, it was the first time since my sons died that I felt like today we celebrate. It's, I don't want nothing to damper or sadden the thing. And oh my God, it was one of the best nights that I've had. That was. That was right before the pandemic. Yes. So we got cut short, but it has been a pleasure. I, it has been a pleasure. Everything that has happened with you has been just a pleasure. 
I have to say this to you. I was thinking this synchronistically as you were talking about before you brought up my party. From that was 2018, October 2018. After I had my cancer removed from me, so I was celebrating a lot of things. But I had the cancer surgery. I got diagnosed on August, early August of 2018, and then I had the surgery in September 26th of 2018. I found out the end of October, right before my birthday, that I was cancer, or a week later. And I just remember that party was like me celebrating these different segments of my life and just celebrating everything. And having you there is, is such a memorable opera. I, I just loved having you there. And I have to tell the audience, if someone wants to have a good party, invite you to it because you are definitely a party person. You dance, we get everyone to dance. You're very outgoing. And, and I love that side of you and being able to see all the different parameters of who you are inside and out and knowing you so well. I will invite you to any other birthday party till the day I die, starting this October 18th, God willing. I travel. <laughs> we'll have too. another celebration. I travel. I travel too. So if it's a destination party, I'm there. I would love that. I would love that. I'm going to hold myself accountable and actually yes. have a party this year. Yes. Last yes. Two years. Yes. 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 My last two birthdays were spent ordering Uber Eats, watching the news. And then celebrating with my birds <laughs> and my mom. No, we gotta make we gotta make a comeback. But I really hope you know that if anybody needs anything or feels that I could be of assistance, I am just on the other side of that email. Thank you so much, Sandra. I appreciate you, and I love you I love so deeply, you. and I appreciate Me everything. Too. I just want to thank Sandra Andrade for coming on the show today. I. Don't normally do typically do episodes like this, but in this particular case, I think Sandra's story is so notable that it's inspiring to show the resiliency of the human spirit. Her ordeal and her tragedy wound up not being and remaining a tragedy because of where she is now. And you see the healing that she's done. I know for a fact you're going to hear about her in the future in her own way. I would love to have her own show, her YouTube channel, something like that down the road, a book, whatever it is. I want to see her do that. And I know she will. And I just want to thank everybody for tuning into this episode. It means a lot to me to have Sandra on the show, sharing her story and our relationship with each other over the last five years has been so meaningful to me. And it's just one of the many reasons why I love doing what I do. And the future is bright for all of us. We've all been through some harrowing experiences the last several years. And the one thing I've learned from knowing Sandra is pick yourself up. Don't stay down. Pick yourself up. Keep going. And when you do that, You'll be surprised at your resiliency within yourself. Look within yourself. If you're grieving somebody, look within yourself. Reflect. I'm getting goosebumps as I say this. Reflect inwards. Your loved ones that you're grieving are with you. It's like, I'll call it a low, subtle Wi-Fi signal that you have to tune into. And one of the ways to do that is to have, if you want to go look up at the stars and you're in the middle of a city and you can't see the stars too well because of light pollution. If you want to connect with your deceased loved ones, you got to go and get yourself in a frame of mind where you don't have your thoughts keeping you from connecting, but you can do that. Look within the spirit of hope and of resiliency is really what I wanted to share today. And I'm just so glad to be able to do that. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. I deeply appreciate everything that we talked about today. Stay positive because when you're positive, anything's possible. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Social Psychic Radio Show. Don't forget to join us for another episode next time. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give us a review on iTunes. You can also check us out on Facebook, and don't forget to visit the Social Psychic YouTube channel. Until next time, it's a big world out there. Keep an open mind, embrace your paradigms, and know that the universe is always yours to explore. 
At Baker's, no matter where you order free pickup, you get the same great deals as you'd get in store. So you can save when you order during band practice or at the dog park or wherever. Start your cart with the Baker's app and save from wherever today. Baker's, fresh for everyone. $35 order minimum restrictions may apply. Subject to availability. Get more ways to save at the buy five or more, save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Are you passionate about saving the planet for future generations? Do you want to learn how to do it? If yes, then you need to tune in to the Nature Back podcast. It's a talk show covering the changing world around us. From renewable energy, sustainable agriculture, circular economy, to ESG and social innovation. Don't miss this opportunity to discover how you can join the movement and make a difference. Subscribe to the Nature Back podcast today on your favorite platform and get ready to be amazed. Hey there, fabulous souls. I'm Stephanie Baklaan. And I'm Eden Alpert. And we're the hosts of the brand new podcast, Unapologetically Fab. Get ready to join us on an amazing and real journey as we dive into life after 40 and own it. We're all about changing the narrative, leaning into who you are, and living a life by your own design. Join us as we embrace life unapologetically and redefine success. This is Unapologetically Fab. An electric cast production. See you there. Electric acid. Electric acid.